This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Glad to be with you this morning. The results of Illinois' primary election are in. The entire state of Illinois has made it loud and clear. It's time for progressive, authentic, good government. I heard something that echoed over and over again. It says, Brother Jackson, don't forget us. I've been taught to lift as I climb. The South Side is going to Washington, D.C. with me. WGN now calling the race for Lexi Janulius. What I am running to do is to make Illinois a great example for the rest of this country. State Senator Darren Bailey won the Republican nomination for governor, and that means he will take on Governor J.B. Pritzker in November. Friends, tonight, your voices were finally heard. Voices from the farms, the suburbs, the city of Chicago, (laughs) and every place in between. I'm J.B. Pritzker, and I'm going to beat Donald Trump's candidate for governor, Darren Bailey. Coming up on the show, we'll hear from some of last night's winners. We'll break down the results and explain what it all means for the future of our state. We've got a great panel of political journalists here with us, too, throughout the show today. Dave McKinney is a state politics reporter here at WBEZ. Lynn Sweet is the Washington Bureau Chief for our partner, Chicago Sun-Times. And David Greising is president of the Better Government Association. Welcome, everyone. Sasha. Good morning. Thanks for being here in studio. Now, if you have got a question about the primary results and what they could mean for Illinois moving forward, give us a call right now. Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, that's 866-915-WBEZ. All right. So our Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker easily fended off a primary challenge. On the Republican side, State Senator Darren Bailey is now the GOP standard bearer in Illinois after a big win over five other candidates. Dave, who is Darren Bailey? Let's let's start there. Well, friends, <laughs> I'm working on my, my line. We're going to hear that a lot friends. on the campaign trail. <laughs> um, he, he is a uh, Springfield novice. He's been around uh, really for basically two terms, a term in the House, and he's, he's at, in the state Senate. He's he's one of the, the really farther right members of the General Assembly, uh, anti-abortion. Uh, he's, he's very folksy, homespun, a farmer. Um, anti-abortion, Trump-loving. Um, you couldn't have a bigger contrast, I don't think, to J.B. Pritzker than you do in Darren Bailey. Yeah. Talk more about his politics, though. Well, his politics, you know, he's he's probably most remembered. He signed on to a resolution when he was in the, in the House uh, aiming to create uh, Chicago as a 51st state. And of course, in the campaign trail, he has referred to Chicago as a hellhole. Um, so, you know, he, he's really kind of tried to play on geographic differences and, and, you know, and, and arguably, you know, lending your name to things like that isn't the most unifying thing to do. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's, we saw a little bit in his victory speech last night where he was trying to, you know, kind of make light of that and, and, and draw Chicago back into his, you know, into the mix. But that's going to be a challenge for him moving forward. Yeah. Lynn, Bailey picked up the endorsement of former President Donald Trump pretty late in the game. But by that point, a WBEZ Sun-Times poll already was showing that he was surging in the polls. Why do you think so many Republicans in the, in the state backed Bailey? Well, there is a growing MAGA Republican movement in Illinois. And if you are saying, how do I know this? We have a kind of a cheater's proof answer. And that is the downstate congressional race involving two Republican incumbents, Mary Miller and Rodney Davis. Mary Miller won 
with a substantial win. She is a MAGA Republican who got Trump's endorsement day one. Now, if this distinguished panel here wants to argue that maybe Darren Bailey only won because of all the ads being run by Pritzker and the Democratic Governors Association, we could get into it because it's not a kind of a pure test tube test. If you want to know the strength of the MAGA Republican movement in Illinois, let's look at Illinois 15 and what happened because there you had, uh, you, you didn't have Democrats trying to game the winner here. And you also had in Rodney Davis, somebody who is sympathetic to Trump, Trump demanded more than just loyalty. He demanded that you bow yeah, you and you do an election denial and you buy into the conspiracies and you do not even think about uh, anything having to do with January 6th that may cast an aspersion on him. And all that ended up into the reasons why Rodney Davis lost yeah. and the other reasons why I say we have a very strong the Republican Party in Illinois as we knew it coming up is soon to be not is soon to be uh, history. Yeah. We'll get more into some of what you just brought up uh, later. Uh, I want to play a little bit more of what Governor Pritzker had to say about Bailey in his victory speech last night. Let me be clear. Someone who seeks out and accepts the endorsement of a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic, twice impeached former president does not deserve to come anywhere near this state's highest office. So... David Grising, uh, the governor wanted Bailey to win this nomination. You know, he put quite a bit of money into that, as Lynn mentioned a moment ago, the ads. Uh, Could that come back to haunt him, though? Well, he possibly could have miscalculated if there's a big red wave and if Bailey proves to be as good on the stump and as hardworking as he was during the primary. He visited all 120 counties in the state. Uh, He stayed last night at his election uh, party Past 10 o'clock, he hung around and shook hands and talked to pretty much everybody in the room. And that's not the sort of thing you see Governor J.B. Pritzker doing. He's not as gifted, perhaps, as a natural retail politician as Bailey is. Bailey has an eye for the outlandish gesture, mm-hmm. such as refusing to wear a mask on the floor of the state house and getting kicked out of session. He knows how to get attention. And it does appear, Lynn has pointed out something I think very important about the changes of Republican politics. All of that said, the numbers are um, not really in his favor. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, in an uncontested primary last night, got 630,000 votes. Darren Bailey got 340,000 votes Mm -hmm. in a runaway victory. All the Republicans together got fewer votes than J.B. Pritzker did, and Pritzker didn't have a contest. Wow. So that speaks to the challenge of a Republican Like, is it really a challenge? Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Bailey, here's what he had to say about the governor and his first term in office. Friends, billionaires like Pritzker can't relate to the struggles of working people and taxpayers like us. It's that simple. You and I have to balance our family budgets. Billionaire Pritzker has never had to. And he's lying to us about the state's budget. Let me share some truth with you. Each of the state's five pension funds have been $4 billion short of what they should be. If he's balancing the budget, he's using your retirement money to do it. David, is is Bailey's critique of the governor accurate? Well, uh, 
the pension underfunding is going to be a big point of discussion. Governor Prisker will say, hey, we're making progress. I'm putting more money into the pensions than I'm legally obligated to do so, and I'm doing that with money he claims that doesn't come from federal ARPA money, et cetera. Um, but what Bailey, I haven't checked the numbers lately, and I'm not sure exactly where that specific number comes well, from well, from Bailey, but Dave, there has I, been some modicum of progress. Yeah, and I see Dave lately. shaking his head, no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a challenge for Bailey. You know, the, the, the fact checkers, you know, when they look at these speeches, will come away with, with a little bit of gold, I guess, because in, in that case, you know, he, he talks about the, the, the five pension funds being short each $4 billion. Well, that's not really even accurate. I don't even know what he's talking about, to be honest, because, you know, Cumulatively, the the unaccrued liabilities for the pension systems, the five of them that the state has, is over 130 billion. Which I, I don't know where he's getting those numbers. And you know, there was something similar too when he talked about, you know, hitting Pritzker for the the deaths of the legionnaire or the uh, COVID 19 veterans at the LaSalle Veterans Home. He was way off in the number of fatalities there. So yeah. little things like that are things that that he needs to be careful uh, on on the campaign trail because he will get called out on that. The yeah. stakes are a lot higher now that he's the Republican nominee. Uh, when you can be sloppy with the facts, when there are you know several people running, when you're up against the governor who has a team of people who are really good and jumping on factual errors, it could really yeah. um, catch him. Well, you know, as Lynn made some some um, really striking remarks earlier in the program, and, and yesterday when we had you on reset. You said if Darren Bailey won the Republican ticket for governor, it would say a lot about where this Republican Party in Illinois is headed, right? Amen. Yes. I said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And not to uh, let me say this again. I think now, David Grising, I looked at the numbers while you were talking about who voted. It, 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 the, when you put all the Republican Dem, Republican governor votes together, you get about 765. Oh. You put, yeah. Oh, and so, so, so the Democratic uh, vote, because there was another candidate there, is 798. I think what we really have here is a lot of parity, which is not good for Democrats. If we just now, everyone who, who listens, this was a primary. You had to pick a side. Everything can be scrambled in a general, but that you had so many Republicans turn out. Is and, and still giving a decisive win to Bailey, I think, is something that we need to kind of scrub some numbers when we have time and look at where these numbers are. Because, see, down what's going to happen is what always happens. We have 102 counties, and the Democrat, if you win statewide, you win really with five or six counties in northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of makes you feel good to see the map and say, I won 89 counties today, but yeah, but there's 10,000 people who live in each one. But yeah, so it, it, I think yeah. there's something. So to my point, there is something there. Mary Miller is one. Number two, test tube here is when you look at the Senate Republican primary and Peggy Hubbard, who David McKinney is an expert on, she did really <laughs> well worse. with yeah. no money <laughs> and no campaign. That's, see, so also as our challenge as journalists in the next months is to explain what's happening. Well, and, and on let's it, look because at the these three counties. races are telling yeah. us what's going on. Right. Peggy Hubbard, look at the vote. Mary Miller, Darren Bailey, not a perfect example because we had the ads, but that is why I said there yeah. is something going on. Now, if one other quick thought the party leadership in Illinois, 
the, the Republican Party of Illinois is a little different than the county party. So, for example, Adam Kinzinger was never censored by the state party. Oh, boy, can you imagine if he ran, given what's <laughs> happening? Okay, but I think that the next run will be, and I think even, didn't Darren Bailey say something? He wants to take a run at the leadership now of the party and take it over? But that's, the, the thing it, with that is, like, he, he has to win a general election for, for that to even have any kind of gravity. Like, I if, don't think so. Well, I, I mean, if, if he loses a general election, like— He doesn't matter. He's a factor. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I do agree with you. Like, the Republican Party, the state Republican Party right now, as it's currently constructed, has no room for the Jim Edgars of the world anymore. Okay. And that's that's a pretty pretty breathtaking development that has come come yeah. over time. But but you think about like the influence that a two-term Republican governor, socially moderate, fiscally conservative as Edgar was, can't find a place in this party. And if we go back to what Lynn was saying about the numbers there, the collar counties in Cook County around Cook County maybe less uh purplish than we thought they were. Um you know, Sean Caston beating Marie Newman is interesting. Marie Newman was far more liberal than Sean Caston. That indicates there's a maybe it stayed a little more conservative. And Caston won that race. Uh, you know, where Democrats almost never win against right. Peter Ruskin. Right, we're Ruskin talking about the sixth congressional district right. here. Right, yeah. right. And, and so there's an indication there was a narrative that the re, that the collar counties were getting more liberal, turning more purple. They may be more red than we thought based on some of these Your results Honor, last night. May I also add Your Honorable David Price? This is Judge Judy here. What I love. Here's what's so super cool. After being penned into doing these things on phone, that we could be around our table here, our uh, our table of uh, pundits. Is that analysts. a plug for the virtual t- the table you? Oh do no, in? I hadn't even okay, thought of doing yeah. it. But okay. Thank you. Well, uh, well, my point here is. I wouldn't use the Caston-Newman primary as a yardstick of anything because uh, she did have this ethics probe hanging on her. She had almost half a million dollars of outside money hitting her on the ethics probe. And tragically, uh, Congressman Caston's daughter passed away. There might have been a sympathy factor. So I wouldn't use that. But here's where you're right. Something is happening because Caston won almost two to one. So yeah. even if we take that victory right. by half for these other factors, uh, it, you know, it, it reflects the territory. Well, on, on that right. note, let's quickly, before we take a pause, run through a couple other big results from the primary. Jonathan Jackson um, winning the uh, Democratic primary to replace Bobby Rush. Talk about that, Dave. Well, I mean, it's interesting, the the, the brand of, you know, the Jackson brand, you know, we, we would have thought it would have been tarnished some by the, the legal difficulties of Jesse Jackson Jr. and his wife Sandy that that uh, you know happened ten years ago, that's all gone away. And in, in Jonathan Jackson, you have you know the heir to the Jackson legacy uh, starting anew in Washington, and, and it'll be interesting if he learned any lessons from his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the seventh congressional district, uh, longtime Congressman Danny Davis. I mean, he won, defeated the uh, progressive challenger Keena Collins, but she came pretty close. Well. Yeah, she did better than last time. She did. And uh, she had about, what, $400,000 of uh, outside help from the Justice Democrats, and that uh, and that was counterweighed by all the, Repo- all the Democratic establishment helping Danny. So uh, with 95% of the votes counted, Danny Davis had 52.2% to 45.4% for Kenya Collins. So this shows something's going on. Now, Let's just say this is Danny Davis's last term, which I'm comfortable in predicting at the moment. Uh, 
does this mean she has set herself up as the successor? And I know you're not asking it, but in case anyone wants to know, I think you will see in the seventh when Danny Davis retires what you saw in the first, and there will be more than you know, everybody will jump in that one. But yeah. she'll be she'll be hard to beat given how well she did against it Danny will, Davis. And, uh, and... All it will do is give her a running start. Mm-hmm. But she ran a pretty good campaign. She kept the focus on yes. uh, violence in in the district, mm-hmm. which which is a big problem. She has a personal narrative about personally witnessing yes. a murder when she was Absolutely. young, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Justice Democrat endorsement in that district and is a big deal. The money. So, the money. Right, right. So anyhow, Again, she would she, be she the well. leader in the clubhouse probably going sure. to the next uh, round. Yeah. No, because you will have all these other elected Democratic officials who will want to get in, especially state senators who will be midterm in two years from now, who have nothing to lose. This and is Aldermen. Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking with David Grising from the Better Government Association, Lynn Sweet from the Chicago Sun-Times, and WBEZ's Dave McKinney about the results of yesterday's primary election in Illinois. The Illinois primary came on the same day that we heard some shocking new testimony from former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson about former President Trump's actions on January 6th. I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. Mags refers to magnetometers, which would detect weapons. So Hutchinson also said that Trump physically attacked a Secret Service agent in an attempt to join insurrectionists at the Capitol. David Grising. This is the same president whose endorsement State Senator Bailey enthusiastically embraced, right? How do you see the January 6th hearings influencing Republican voters ahead of that general election in November? Uh, to say he enthusiastically embraced it, I think, is an understatement. He chased <laughs> it down un- relentlessly over a period of weeks. And there was a Trump being the show person he is, waited till the very last minute there was a question whether, in fact, he would endorse Bailey. And everybody remembers that Governor Bruce Rauner uh, showed up at a rally, stood behind the grandstand, and never got the endorsement from then-President Trump. So there was a, a little bit of drama there. Um, <clears throat> what Lynn was saying is very interesting when, when you think about the fealty that's required from Trump. Uh, Rodney Davis actually has said that if reelected, he's going to, and there's a Republican majority, he's going to investigate the January 6th committee. He's got a 90-plus percent voting record with Trump. And so Trump's influence on the party, to the point of your question, is that question of fealty to the whole package. May even include you have to buy into the big lie. Yeah. And uh, we don't yet know whether Bailey will express that explicitly. But when asked if there's any daylight between himself and Trump, he has said no. And so it seems to me that that would be a pretty big slice of daylight if you're going to not buy into the big lie. And so um, we'll have to wait and see. And that's one of those questions that he'll have to answer. If he's trying to get votes back in Chicago, that's not going to be a popular stance to say in a city that he already has said is a hellhole and that he's tried to kick out of the state. Yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Lynn, what are your thoughts here? My thoughts is do not underestimate the power of the Trump Republican movement in Illinois. If I say it every five minutes during this show, I might have, uh, you might think I'm a little uh, over overdoing it, but I don't think so. There is something going on here. Uh, there is something that makes people want to believe certain things, and I, you know, I, you got to respect everybody. 
Uh, the January 6th hearings are going on, and you asked, do you think, in a sense, you asked, will they have an impact on our Republican race because they are revelatory? Uh, they have, they're telling you their evidence that they, that the committee members, including Adam Kinzinger and, uh, and Liz Cheney, have to show how ex-President Trump was involved in the January 6th attack and in trying to overturn the election results. That does not read the same way to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if we had psychologists, political psychologists, and uh, who were here, and we could understand this communication that we're seeing the same thing so differently is is where, you know, we've been on this journey now a few years. Uh, I think we could all agree today is Wednesday. But there are people that will say, Sasha, if you say so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, how is January 6th going to impact all of this in November? Well, I mean, the House Democrats and Kinzinger and Cheney have done, you know, I mean, you, you, what I find myself doing is watching these hearings and just, you know, my jaw feeling like it's hitting the floor, hitting the floor, hitting the floor. And granted, these hearings are happening during the middle of the day. Perhaps people are not paying attention to them. That'll be the challenge, you know, is there is how, how far is this reaching people? But I think that the, the situation is this. Donald Trump lost Illinois in 2020 by 17 percentage points. And even if there is you know, a massive red wave that sweeps over America. Illinois is still, you know, it's still a safe democratic state. And I think that, that you know, Trump overall with independents, certainly with Democrats, mm-hmm. is not, I mean, he's a polarizing figure. And if you were to go out on the street in DuPage County and find a Democrat there, you would find most likely them saying, why isn't this guy indicted? Yeah. And so I think you're, you're going to see Pritzker as he did last night in his victory speech, continuously make light of Bailey's connections to Trump because he knows Trump is unpopular in Illinois. May I underscore one other thing that Democrats uh, have going is the abortion issue. So it's not just Darren Bailey is a proxy for Trump. So it's not just Pritzker Trump. It also is the real issue, and this could appeal to swing voters about abortion rights. We know Roe is done, that nothing is theoretical anymore, and Illinois is a abortion haven state. And if you want to keep it that way, Democrats could argue, you, you know, let's get rid of all the other issues. We could sit and talk about the state of pension funds and whether or not American Rescue Fund money from Washington properly was used. All that, I think, gets simplified. Uh, my quick analysis here, there are two indicators to watch. How the abortion issue mobilizes Democrats, and if gasoline prices stay high, then that will also be a tool Republicans can use even on a state level because that is an economic indicator everybody sees every day. And if we're talking the national picture, if if the economy stays as it is, it may be that, that Democrats are dispirited and won't turn out. And if there is a red wave, you could have Republicans turn out in big numbers. And let's take one other factor into account here, which is money. 
because Ken Griffin leaving the state of Illinois is a factor that we don't yet know the consequences of that. He was able to match Governor J.B. Pritzker dollar for dollar last time around on any issue, on the progressive tax issue as well. We had this battle of the billionaires. Darren Bailey is right. It's now a farmer versus a billionaire. And he's got Richard Uline, who spent $17 million uh, on him yeah. in the primary. The question is, is Richard Uline and our other conservative wealthy people in Illinois going to pony up and match Governor Pritzker's spending, which is also, in addition to the issues, the amount of money you're able to spend on TV is a big factor. I mean, the, the abortion thing, back on that again, I think, yeah. I think you, know, you know, suburban women are, are such an important key to this election. Because if you remember in, in 2018, when, when Pritzker defeated Bruce Rauner by 15 percentage points, he, he, he ran the table. Pritzker ran the table in the collar counties, all but for McHenry County. And I think he is in prime position to be doing that again. And, and, if, and you, you just go back to the numbers and, and pretty much across the board in all the collar counties, Pritzker's numbers are more than doubled, you know, yeah. what Darren Bailey got in each of those counties. That means that Bailey is starting out in a hole in the collar counties. But then on top of that, you factor in what the Supreme Court is doing on abortion, on, on all these other hot button issues. And I just know anecdotally, women are paying attention to this and women vote. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be a major factor in Pritzker's favor. And you will see that in, in his advertising. You will see that. And that's that, that, yeah. that's a very clear line of distinction between Pritzker. That's and a good Bailey. point. And we'll, we'll get back to the money that, that David brought up in, uh, in just a moment. But uh, Dave, I did want to check with you for a bit. You had a chance to talk with the governor this morning. You asked why Bailey was his top choice to face off with in the general election. I want to listen to that clip real quick. I was simply putting messages out that were really about what we are will run in the general election. I believe that extremist Republicans are not going to win in November because the people of Illinois are not extremists. I just also want to mention to, uh, that Reset did request an interview with State Senator Bailey, but we didn't hear back from his campaign in time for the program. Talk about the governor's record so far, Dave. Biggest accomplishments, biggest missteps. Well, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, you have to look at his management of, of COVID-19. I mean, there have been 33,000 people who have died in Illinois from COVID-19, and that's that's almost enough to fill Wrigley Field. You know, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But but I think on balance, his his handling of the pandemic has been pretty admirable. Um, I think, you know, there there is some polling that suggests that, that you know, over 50 percent of Illinoisans view that that way. So, I mean, that's that's something. I mean, state finances in, in, in some some uh, respect have have stabilized because of, you know, federal covid relief money. Yeah. For starters, but also because, you know, state income taxes and, and uh, sales taxes had been surging during the pandemic, oddly enough. And so, so those two things combined have have done things, and then he's 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 really done things that his base likes. You know, again, back on abortion, he 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 uh, enacted legislation that you know basically put in place, uh, you, you know, or got rid of an Illinois trigger law, basically that if if we uh, if if Roe versus Wade was overturned, that we would not revert back as other states have to an outright prohibition on abortion, 
and 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 he got rid of uh, parental notification uh, for for abortion. So I mean, he's done things like that that have have been aimed at the base. So I mean, he's yeah. you know got a litany of things that he can point to and and, and is pointing to in a, in a campaign. Now here is where State Senator Darren Bailey wants to take his party and the state. Do you feel overtaxed? Yes. Do you feel overregulated? Yes. Are you tired of being ignored by Springfield? Yes. Friends, I hear you because I am you. It's that simple. But friends, here's the deal. I don't want you to just believe in me. I need you to believe in Illinois. I want you to believe in our future. And when people ask us where we're from, I want you to be proud to say that we are from Illinois. Before Governor Pritzker, we had a Republican governor, Bruce Rauner, right, in office for four years. Rauner was a moderate Republican in many ways. Uh, how would a Bailey administration differ from what we saw under Governor Rauner, Dave? That is a really good question, Sasha, because, you know, the, the, the hallmark of, of the Rauner time was, was the, the two-year budget impasse and his inability to get anything done through the legislature. And you know, there are super majorities right now in the legislature, and, and those numbers could come down if there is a Republican wave. But if there is a, a uh, Bailey administration, the trick for him is going to be figuring out a way for him to work with Democrats, starting with how do you pass a budget? And what does a budget look like? Because, you know, people, you know, people don't pay attention to budgets largely. Uh, you know, it's just not, it's not sexy. But mm-hmm. that is the one statement that really sort of embodies what an office holder stands for. It shows his priorities or her priorities. And, and for Darren Bailey, he has talked about just stripping, you know, stripping all the pieces off the car here and starting over. And, and that's not going to fly with Democrats in the General Assembly. What do you think, David? Well, you asked about Governor Prisker's record. Let's not forget he lost on the progressive income tax, and a lot of that had to do with a lack of trust in government and a feeling that government is spending and continues to spend uh, more than it should and that there's been very little effort to actually cut the run rate of what it costs to run Illinois government. That message appealed in the progressive tax fight, and it will appeal as Darren Bailey runs for governor. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people in Illinois, regardless of their politics, feel that the actual cost of government really has not been addressed. And so that could be a big factor. The other big factor is, you listen to that tape, Darren Bailey is is a Trump bee, but he also is a populist in a way that he actually is focused on the people of Illinois in a way that Donald Trump is not. Donald Trump's narcissism allows him only to focus on himself. Darren Bailey does seem outwardly focused. And that could catch on, especially if Governor Pritzker is as focused on a national race as he is on running Illinois. And if you listen to that memorable run of the connecting Darren Bailey to Governor, to President Trump, he, Pritzker's going to essentially set this up as a Pritzker versus Trump slash Bailey contest because Governor Pritzker apparently has national aspirations, mm-hmm. he's got to worry about the Bailey part of that, because the Bailey part of that, I think, is going to put together a pretty formidable campaign. Well, before we take another pause, I, I want to quickly touch back on on the money, right? You brought that up earlier, David Grising. A lot poured into this race. Lake Forest businessman uh, Dick Uline backed Bailey with more than $9 million. Meanwhile, hedge fund mogul 
Ken Griffin, he put $50 million into the campaign of uh, Richard Irvin, Aurora Mayor, who came in third. What did $50 million get Ken Griffin? Well, <laughs> let me tell you how profound the defeat was because uh, the Griffin political team put together a slate. And I believe every member of the slate got defeated. Or some races too close to call? And so our listeners know I'm talking about the candidates for attorney general, secretary of state, treasurer, attorney general. Yeah. They all they all went down, right? Or, uh, or is did Tom, Tom Demmer win for controller? Well, I think he was he was uncontested. Okay, right. Okay, so, so okay, one one. Uh, so, yeah. I, I think what you what he got for in a sense was a lesson that you can't just make a campaign out of a out of a test tube candidate where you you look on paper uh, a mayor that's good a big city hey that's good uh, a, a mayor who is black who could speak to certain issues that's good but then you take away the fact that in anything you have to have that that uh, sauce which is you got to be have some kind of personality and be willing to deal. They, they're, so he learned that a Rose Garden strategy isn't there. Yeah. But one thing I want to say is that one of the things that you just heard in the, in, in the clip you used from Darren Bailey was why he's so good. He is co-opting this believe in Illinois. And let me tell you why that is there. First of all, we're sitting around a table. I am a proud Illinoisan by birth. I am in Washington on assignment. Uh, I believe in Illinois. I'm from here. You believe okay. in Illinois or Illinois? <laughs> no, it's Illinois. Yeah, the Illinois. I can't. I can't. I am here, and, and my burial plot is in Illinois. So I I'm had gonna, to say it. I'm sorry. My, I'm going to end up here. But so, uh, isn't it interesting that the man who is part of a movement to have downstate succeed from Illinois is now telling us all believe in Illinois? It's a rallying cry. Now, one of the things, let's watch if what Democrats do is if he co-ops the idea that he's more Illinois than anyone else. One of the mistakes I thought the Democrats made during the Obama years was when the Affordable Care Act came out, uh, Republicans said derisively, it's Obamacare. It took a few years until Obama and his team said, you're darn right it's Obamacare, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, to say that people don't believe in Illinois is injecting an element I am not aware of. We have debates over policy and fiscal philosophy, which I think I'm putting on the table, will be overwhelmed in the governor's race by social issues, hot-button social issues. Uh, yeah. It will be interesting to have this man now lead the call for Illinois because Chicago is part of Illinois. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are breaking down the Illinois primary results from last night. Who won, who didn't, the messages to residents, and more. Now, with the primary behind us, eyes look ahead to the fall midterms. Our panel with us in studio, WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, Chicago Sun-Times Washington Bureau Chief Lynn Sweet, and David Grising of the Better Government Association. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Congresswoman Robin Kelly, the head of the state's Democratic Party, about the Dems' strategy. But first, let's hear about what Republicans are prioritizing. Joining us now is GOP strategist Chris Roebling. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me on. So State Senator Darren Bailey is now the Republican candidate for governor. He is hitting Governor Prisker on the economy, on crime. What do you make of Bailey's message? Well, I think that Bailey's got a lot of messages to choose from, and I think his uh, messaging going forward is going to be about the 
sort of kitchen table issues that affect people, whether they live in Woodlawn or Austin or Rockford or Cairo. I mean, uh, the entire state, I think, is reeling uh, from the effects of the of COVID lockdown, et cetera. And now we've got proposals to increase tax where, you know, Iowa has reduced tax. We've got out-of-control uh, property taxes. Indiana has a cap of 1% on property tax. So I think that um, the question for Bailey isn't so much what he's going to talk about. It's how he's going to focus on a few issues to prevail in November. And let's let's focus on Bailey here. He's clearly resonated with uh, with Republican voters in this state. I, th- I believe he took every county except one. He basically crushed the competition, Chris. So what is it that you would say is, is resonating about Bailey for GOP voters? Um, it, well, people appreciated the fact that he stood up and went after Governor Pritzker on the on the mandates and had the courage, the temerity, some would say, to do so and that he was successful. Uh, but in addition to that, he had the good fortune of running against a uh, empty suit uh, who was the mayor of Aurora, who was chosen in a back room by a bunch of establishmentarians who had no idea of what the people in the precincts, and I don't care if they're Democrat precincts or Republican precincts, but uh, they had no idea what the people in the precincts were, were interested in. Uh, and, you know, Mr. Griffin, Ken Griffin, who is a very wealthy hedge fund guy, spent $60 million with some discredited campaign consultants and came in third, not even second. <laughs> the guy who came in second was a nice guy who was sort of wandering around the state saying, I believe in Illinois. Why don't you make me the governor? And, and that is Jesse Sullivan. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure one of these days he's going to figure out why he was running, but no one else could. And that's why he didn't win either. You know, leading up to this primary, Chris, so we had the January 6th hearings unfolding on Capitol Hill, laying out in, in great detail how President Trump pushed the lie that the 2020 election was stolen. The election wasn't stolen. Bailey hasn't been explicit on, on what he believes about the 2020 election. How relevant are the revelations of the January 6th hearings to Republican voters? They're huge. They're huge. And uh Bailey's going to have to get on top of this, maybe not today or tomorrow. Um, Because you've got Grising and you've got McKinney and you've got Sweet, they're going to remember a guy named Bob Blair. Bob Blair lost a seat in Congress because he got in the switches of the Regional Transportation Authority. Um, So for all of your old listeners, that's going to mean something. But today, Bailey is potentially caught in the switches because he accepted a nomination, I'm sorry, an endorsement from Trump mm-hmm. as Trump is being revealed, you know, to, to any Republican with an open mind, the satisfaction of anybody with an open mind, Trump knew as of the 1st of December meeting with Bill Barr, there was nothing to the allegations. All of his behavior after that was bad. His behavior from 2 January to 6 January was absolutely traitorous. And so um, Bailey is sort of was caught in the middle of all of this, and he's going to have to distance himself from Trump because the Trump's elevator, to quote Prince, is only going down. Okay, it's not coming back up. So, so do it's you going down to a very hot place where he deserves to be? Do you worry that what the committee's laid out about Trump could turn off some moderate GOP voters or independents? I think every I hope it turns off everybody. I hope it extinguishes Trump for 2024 so the Republicans don't have that albatross on 
or about their necks. I mean, I, I hope that I'm cheering for the committee to make it um, sort of um, unquestionable that Trump is in deep legal trouble and can't be a candidate for any, you know, dog killer in, you know, Bonaventure County, Florida. I don't, I mean, Trump needs to, uh, I, I, I'm hoping the committee buries Trump. Before we let you go, Chris, how do you see the battle between Bailey and Pritzker shaping up and playing out ahead of November? Um, Pritzker, I, I, I think that anybody who sort of sits back and says, we don't have to worry about Bailey, he's from downstate, isn't in touch with folks and what is being discussed at kitchen tables all over the state of Illinois. Uh, Darren Bailey farms 12,000 acres. Think about that. He has an excavation business. He's all over the state excavating. I think he's got a construction business. He and his wife started a school. The school is educating kids. They're getting great results in their education, their attainment. This is a very serious person who stood up to, to Pritzker and won in court when everybody said he couldn't. Everybody said he was insane. So people who want to sit back and say, oh, well, Pritzker, is a, he's our guy because he's pro-choice, or he's our guy because he's in the pocket of the unions, or he's our guy because he wants to raise taxes. People who think that way probably need a, a little bit of a attitude adjustment. That is GOP strategist Chris Roebling. Chris, thank you so much. Good to be with you. All right. So uh, Dave McKinney, David Grising, and Lynn Sweet are still with us. I want to get your reaction. Uh, GOP strategist Chris Roebling started off, said Bailey's got a lot of messages to choose from. Dave McKinney, what do you think? Well, I think Chris called us old, didn't he? He did. He did. I was, I was, I was going to skip over that, but you, you right. went there. Yeah, I went there. So. You went there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think he said all of our older listeners will <laughs> yeah, remember. Exactly, exactly. No, no offense taken, Chris. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that Bailey certainly does have a, a, a lot to choose from. He, that, you know, so long as he stays on this populist message, we know that populist politicians have a way of of winning the hearts of voters. I mean, look at Donald Trump. I mean, he was a populist, and and look how it worked for him mm-hmm. in 2016. So, I think there's a lot of room there, and. To pick up on a point that I think David made earlier about Darren Bailey, I mean, he he has this real novelty about him, and that's the that it's just the way he he seems to connect with people. And I think as long as you know he's got uh, strategists around him that sort of help him with this, if if they keep him contained as this sort of homespun guy, this farmer, this this aw shucks guy, you know, yeah. who, 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 as Chris points out, has serious credentials. I mean, he's, he, you know, running a farm is, it, it takes some business smarts. I, I think that, you know, he has some ability to go places, but here's the deal. With Bailey, you know, Ken Griffin's money is not here. I don't know where Ken Griffin, or excuse me, I don't know where Darren Bailey gets the money from to finance a campaign against a man who spent $170 million to get elected, and that's Pritzker. Yeah. Pritzker is prepared to spend that much again. And and how how uh, Bailey competes with that, how, you know, if the ad, if the Pritzker ads start going up now, as they are, and Darren Bailey doesn't go up until September, well, by that point, Bailey is already defined to the mass populace out there. Yeah. That's a problem for him. Lynn, uh, Chris suggested that Trump's endorsement could be a liability um, for Bailey. Does that seem to be accurate to you? Is, is Bailey 
likely to distance himself moving forward. So Chris said uh, that he accepted the endorsement from Trump as Trump has been revealed as uh, knowing exactly that he did not win the election. As if this was brand new information. No, 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 but that's, so why would that? And and Chris, if you're listening, we go way back. (laughs) I would like to think that we're seasoned. Chris is old too. No, no, it's not old. To our listeners, we are seasoned. Yes, exactly. It's like a good stew. We've been simmering. (laughs) And so that's why we are here with our flavorful conversation. And But in serious, though, here's where I disagree with him. I don't think, I think uh, this hearing exists in bucket one, and Darren Bailey and Governor Pritzker's general election campaign are in bucket two. Yeah. If Trump was so easily discredited, Mary Miller and Darren Bailey would not have won, and Peggy Hubbard would not have done as well in that Illinois Senate primary. So uh, I just don't see how these revelations are going to make a difference. Yeah. Well, just about a minute here, Grising, the first name he called out. (laughs) Uh, Chris called Richard Irvin an empty suit, and Jesse Sullivan a nice guy wandering around the state. Harsh words, right? Do you think voters agreed, though? I think voters probably did agree. Jesse Sullivan didn't really clarify what he wanted to do as governor. And uh, Richard Irvin really was not given the chance, chose not to take the chance to really establish himself as a as a person that people could connect with. Uh, you can't do a Rose Garden strategy if you're not in the Rose Garden yet. And the Griffin people controlled that campaign. Mm -hmm. We saw last night in his concession speech what a real Richard Irvin might have looked like on the stump, Um, but he was so worried about his inability to express uh, a winning position on abortion for a Republican electorate and to clarify exactly where he stood on Donald Trump. And so he was caught in this box and he never did be, he never was able to get out and really campaign. Came I th- third. Yeah, and I think that Chris Roebling's point about Trump was very interesting. Darren Bailey did not need that endorsement. Tactically, he could have left himself some wiggle room going into the general election by not seeking and getting that endorsement. Yeah. I think Chris is right. Um, Donald Trump is with him whether he wants it or not from this point forward, yeah. and that could end up being a problem for it's him. It's going to be hard to distance Grising. himself. Great point. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.